0: welcome to the intercut podcast the weekly show wait i need to hit record going over the tv movies and streaming that people can't cut away from i am your co-host zachary shevich and joining me nasa took out a restraining order against him it's arturo Zurita.
1: There's like twenty. Of this could be for. It could be space force. It could be one of the dozen other. I feel like space movies we've been getting this uh, this month. But oh, I actually realized what it is. It's Moonfall. Yeah, I completely it's moonfall. forgot you and I saw Moonfall together. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Moonfall. Might as well choose one I of the movies that, that we
0: actually saw in person.
1: In person, <laughs> in theaters with the whole Dolby experience.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Uh,
1: unfortunately,
0: not hanging out anymore. Our our fun time together, our vacation, came to an end. I, I had to. Uh, Return home and collect my puppy. Uh, but we had a lot of fun, and we're not done putting out those videos. We still have our Sundance recaps, part one, part two, four hours of Sundance coverage coming to y'all this Wednesday. But we wanted to hit y'all up with a live stream tonight, uh, talk about some of the things we've been missing, and also let everyone, in, everyone know that we will be live streaming again 12 hours from now. As we anticipate the revealing of the 93rd annual Academy Award nominations, I want to say it's the 93rd. It'd be a little embarrassing if it's I think the 94th. It's, it's the fourth. Yeah, it's probably the fourth. I think it's the 94th. All right, we'll, we'll do we'll do the 93rd and we'll do the 94th Oscar nominations 94th. tomorrow morning.
1: And if you're lucky, maybe even the 95th.
0: Yeah. So a lot of stuff <laughs> that coming early? from intercut later this week. Uh, But still, plenty of stuff coming on this week's show. This is what we are going to try and make sort of like a weekly live stream on the channel of what we're watching and what's new to see, and maybe some spoiler catch-ups with various TV shows or movies that are on our mind. The weekly what we've been watching live stream. Uh, Try and hit you all up on Mondays on the channel. So hopefully becomes a fun way to keep y'all up with whatever we're watching, whatever's the latest and, you know, keeps us talking about new movies. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, what else should we do on the, what we're watching cast, but get into what we're watching. We did get to see two more, two more movies together in person before I departed Chicago, which way do you want to start out with, with uh, jackass or with moonfall.
1: Uh, You know what, let's start the way that we saw them. Let's start with Moonfall. We got to see it in the way that it's supposed to be seen in Dolby, in theaters, the way Roland Emmerich uh, intended it to. He is the master of disaster. (laughs) And I think that for everyone who's looking forward to that, I guess you can call it the disaster fair that people just find comfort in, Mm -hmm. uh, this may fulfill a lot of those things. Uh, compared to a lot of Roland Emmerich's other films, if you click on the man right there, he you know he's come in with what is Day After Tomorrow, Independence Day, pretty much a lot of people's favorites disaster flicks. Twenty Twelve, uh, this man is responsible for the original and yeah, the new one. If there is if there Actually is an iconic uh, building, <laughs> he it. Probably demolished it exactly yeah, it, with a lizard White House, whatever it is. Um, this one, it does not have the story elements that I would say the other ones even had going for them. I think that uh, this is a movie that sets itself up to be one thing. And then I don't even want to get into spoilers, what that second half of the movie ends up being, what they actually reveal right. is going on throughout this entire history. Because he tries to build himself a little bit of a lore. The mm-hmm. problem with that, though... So you get nothing of that lore. You're here focused on uh, who is a Patrick Wilson's character who long ago saw something up in the sky and he swears it's hiding in the moon or something like that. And everyone's like, nope, no, it's not. They discredited him. Uh, Halle Berry never believed in him. And now there are two astronauts who are realizing that they need to uh, look up, I guess, before the moon falls. Mm-hmm. And I think people are going in this for the effects. And I think the effects deliver on occasion. I don't know mm-hmm. how expensive this movie was supposed to be considering that they pushed it up you know, to what we consider the beginning of the year, not the best moments of the year. Uh, they weren't having the biggest faith in it. Yeah. But there is one specific moment that does happen. After, you know, all of the drama between the family that drags this movie down, uh, I was a big fan of the gravity wave scene. I thought the gravity wave scene was definitely worth the money. Um, but then you don't care about the characters. So I guess that's the only problem with it is that you're following characters who you don't care if mm-hmm. they're going to be there or not. Um but I see you did not like it in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> Nothing went well for this man's screening of Moonfall. I, His chair would not go <laughs> up.
0: <laughs> yeah, first of all, we started, we started out and I was in a broken recliner. So that, that kicked things off not on the n- nicest note. No, I'm not holding that against the movie. Um, I generally am less of a fan of Roland Emmerich's style of filmmaking in general Um, there's times where it works better. Like I'm a fan of the day after tomorrow, you know, I think like he
1: kind of even homages. Yeah.
0: Like there's definitely like, you know, recurring things that'll happen through his movies. But like, I I think there's times where he's able to marry the destruction with a story that you can get invested in, in a way that like makes it a little more than just the destruction porn aspect of it. Um, I Mm -hmm. I just kind of felt like the story was so cobbled together and, like, nonsensical in certain points. And uh, when they ultimately reveal, like, what is causing the moon to fall, it felt like this completely out of left field idea that... In a different movie. Yeah, should should have been in a different movie. Um, So I just... I, I don't know. In that aspect, I didn't get into it. I also didn't really find... It to be super satisfying and just a destruction aspect. Like, for a movie called Moonfall about the moon potentially falling to Earth, like, I felt like there was a little too little of like the ominous threat of this crater looming like it did. you know even Don't Look Up has an approaching meteor like I kind of want to do you remember uh, Majora's Mask Zelda the Zelda game like I wanted like a a moon Uh fucking hovering over the earth you wanted
1: them to wake up every morning and when they're having their Dunkin Donuts coffee they're like ah there's the moon again an impending doom that without a doubt they can't see coming Uh, I I see what you mean you do get it towards the end because they're like literally racing between the Moon. It's like the moon and the earth are like this big and nothing's stopping it uh, between what's happening. But I don't know. Overall, uh, not my favorite of the role in Not my favorite of the disaster flicks personally. But yeah. I think if you want to just go in to turn off your brain, there are definitely a lot of CGI uh, set pieces there. Uh, but personally, I think if you want to go see a big set piece, you, you need to feel for the characters. Sometimes you feel for the characters a little too much with this other <laughs> movie that we went into. Sometimes you physically uh, feel wasn't... for the other characters. Mm, emotionally, spiritually, yeah, it, it, too, too much. This was in a completely different theater. They did not put this bad boy up in the in, in a big screen. we were all the way in the back of the uh, the, the cinema for this one. But we were with a group that you just know when you're going to sit down at a movie screening and you're like, yeah, all these strangers that I'm sitting with here, we're about to share a special moment. And uh, I think we had a pretty good crowd for Jackass Forever. We had the right the crowd. in the installment. We had the right crowd, exactly. You had people cheering. I think the, the kids in front of you were like given a, a bunch of the, uh, what's it called, breakfast club moments. Yeah. The people to my right were squirming worse oh. than I was. We had a really good moment with this one. Uh, if you have not caught up on any of the Jackass movies, those are all on Paramount Plus, if I'm not mistaken. It's the show that's... Super difficult to find. Hmm. Um, but nonetheless, the boys are back, what is it, 10, 11 years later? And they killed it. I thought it was a hysterical movie. I thought it really showcased what uh, kind of the culture that Jack has had has mm-hmm. had. It's not just that they do these really <laughs> dumb stuff. And I think it was uh, you who had brought it up. They're not really professionals. They yeah. always there's that iconic thing that lets you know, leave this to the professionals. And Zach's like, these aren't professionals. <laughs> these are schmoes. These are schmucks from down the street who decided to just capture this on tape. They're, it's not that they're professionals. It's just that they're dumb enough to do it. Mm-hmm. And I think they come up with some of the dumbest stuff. In this one, I went back and started rewatching a bunch of the older ones, and it was also interesting to see how they uh, kind of parallel old yeah, stunts they that they're they trying to one up themselves. Stunts, or, yeah. yeah. Uh and I thought it was really cool. It's like a legacy movie and I think the uh, the subtitle Forever really works especially with the new cast that they were able to get in who around the time that uh the third one would have been coming out which would have been 2010 I feel like the Eric Andre's of the world the uh, title the creators like they were barely getting up there. Mm-hmm. You know they they were entering the mainstream that I mean, they were going to have their shows and the brands that they have now.
0: That's one of the kind of interesting things about the film is they're sort of acknowledging their own legacy in a way. And cool. part, in a way, this is a film about the original cast getting older and not necessarily being able to do some of the stunts. And also about this, this new cast of people who are coming into the, the jackass tentpole, tent tentpole or, or, or whatever you want to call it and, and are so influenced and brought up by these movies. Um, I just think that there's a sense of joy and a sense of humor to these movies that is really contagious and hard to, hard to contain, you know um, it's just inventive in a way that I don't think modern comedies often reach for. Like it's like, I think some of the things they're doing, evoke a physical comedy that speaks more to like the silent film era or like Jackie Chan comedies than it does what what we mostly get in theaters nowadays. So it's kind of cool to see that, that spirit alive in some form, even if it is in this deranged masochistic kink, weird, like sex kink form. (laughs) But it's a lot of fun, mm-hmm. and I, I think there's just something really special about this crew getting to do these over and over again, watching them pick each other up. And I think part of what makes the movies work is they don't just show you the stunts, but they show you what happens after, and they show you the, uh, the crew cheering each other on or caring for each other if it does go a little bit wrong. And, and that ultimately makes it kind of a strangely heartwarming film.
1: Mm-hmm. 100% agree. What's your favorite stunt?
0: From the new one, it, it, I mean, it's hard to beat the bear one. I feel like, <laughs> like, it's, bear was it, pretty good. It's not like the traditional jackass stunt, but it's the kind of thing that makes me, like, I think for me, my favorite things are the ones where it's like, how did, how did they convince anybody to get involved with this? Like, who, who okayed this? How has nobody died uh-huh. doing this? <laughs> Um, I love I love seeing some of those so yeah uh, do you have a favorite stunt?
1: Very one's pretty crazy the B one I think that's the one that got the <laughs> most reactions out of me like per yeah. second it, every new frame was something An, new I'll say new that set much set so I hards. think the B one
0: yeah De- Easily. Devesh asked, did either of you catch the Impractical Jokers film from like two, three years back? I'm not actually super familiar with the Impractical Jokers stuff. I know a lot of people really love them, um, mm-hmm. but I, I don't think I've actually watched their stuff. Have you?
1: I haven't seen their stuff yet, but we know a lot of people who are yeah. fans of them. So that's going to be it's gonna have to be a show that uh, I catch up on.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, so those are the main films. Films that we've been watching. I don't know if there's anything uh, else you wanted to catch up on, or should we just move on to some of the TV that we got into?
1: Uh, in terms of movies and theaters, I think that would pretty much be it. It's the it's the series. It's the mini series that have been killing mm-hmm. it at home. Uh, where do you even want to start? Do you want to start with that Luke Skywalker? Book of Boba Fett, kidding. baby. We'll stick to Hulu instead, or in some places it may be uh, both of them together, but the Pam and Tommy show, yeah. you and I were able to get uh, the entirety of the series. I think there's eight episodes in total. Uh, I think I got up to five. I don't know how far you going. I think I've only going.
0: seen four so far, so we're both about halfway through.
1: About about the same way. In uh, So Far, if you don't know anything about it, it's Pam and Tommy. It's their sex tape that leaked a while back. I didn't realize that the movie, or the series, sorry, also has, uh, what's his name? As a, Seth as a lead, as the dude who leaks, yeah, who leaks the tape. Yeah. And I didn't realize that that was going to be an element in the story either. Again, being... <laughs> What In the middle of it, halfway through, I've heard some things about how they treat his character in the back half that I'm not looking forward mm. to. But overall, I think it's a pretty decent show. It hasn't blown me away, but I really do like the, uh, you know, I'm just realizing that he actually is on the poster. I've never seen him. He's right there at the bottom. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if yeah. that's the same poster the that the they're
0: using everywhere, though, because I feel like I've seen a poster that's maybe, just yeah, maybe the two of Maybe they cut of them. him off.
1: Right up to the payment, yeah. army, Yeah. Uh, but overall, I think all the performances are really well, down to Seth Rogen. I think that they're able to embody the characters to a degree where it's like you you feel like if you caught any of their footage on YouTube, like archived, that it would, it would be very reminiscent of that. Uh, I think the way that the episodes are structured are done pretty well. The way that they kind of let you look at the industry uh, to a certain degree. It's not as in-depth as people uh, were probably mm-hmm. hoping for it to be. Um, but I think it's still pretty raunchy because it's the FX through Hulu. They're able to get into, you know, whatever dialogue they want to get into. I don't think they've gotten as explicit as people are expecting them to get yet. Yeah. Um,
0: I mean, it's it's a possibility. It's gotten fairly explicit in some parts. I mean, there's a lot of prosthetics work in this show uh, that is, is pretty impressive. I don't know if it's necessarily like fully immersive in the way that maybe some people would hope for from a Pam and Tommy series, (laughs) but I I do think that (laughs) they want the VR. I do think there's a lot of uh, really enjoyable kind of like sleazy true crime ish television happening. Like this is, I, I think this is kind of giving me what I don't get from some of those Ryan Murphy shows, you know? Uh, it's got that oh, that's rip fair. from the headlines thing where you're recreating people and scenarios that are familiar, but you're fleshing them out in ways that maybe, like, if you haven't read about it or if you haven't done the article, like, if you haven't looked at the Rolling Stone article, you might not know all these details. Um, it, it's pretty silly in its approach, and, I, you know, sometimes that makes me feel like it's a little bit, like, I don't know trashier of a show but it makes me makes me kind of laugh a lot of the time I find it more entertaining than I find it to be quality but like I'm I'm enjoying watching it you know I let I like having it on I've watched a couple episodes multiple times because of uh whether we're working you know Caitlin watches half an episode Mm -hmm. I watch half an episode so I don't know I think it's a good time even if it's not necessarily like the the most historically compelling take on the Pam Anderson like I don't I don't know if that's necessarily a story that it is holds up to this kind of treatment but it's interesting nonetheless
1: well, they try to get in there. There's this—I mean, the the whole series begins with this idea of it kind of being like a violation on her as she's seeking her employment, uh, yeah. as she's going through her relationship with Tommy. That's a that's a big aspect of it. I just don't think the show, uh, at least from what we've seen ro- so far, handles the dramatic elevated. <laughs> Elevated aspects, uh, as well as someone like Craig Gillespie can do because the man's done Itania. He knows how to take a, a story that's true, flip it on itself, make it entertaining, and then also pitch it for awards. Um, this falls for me right in between that and Cruella. Mm. Because I think he just knows how to get that sweet spot. But
0: yeah. overall, it's been pretty decent. Yeah. And I, I like all the actors on it. There's a little bit of disagreement in our live stream comments here over uh, whether or not Lily James is fully pulling it off. I like her so far on the show. Uh, Sebastian Stan. Oh, she's great. I've been reluctant to come around on Sebastian Stan as, like, I, I generally have the anti Marvel bias
1: <laughs> whenever I can.
0: But, like, between this and Fresh, he's having a pretty strong start to the year.
1: Yes, sir. Monday's over on, I want to say, Showtime as well. The dude's been killing it. In the big movies, in the smaller movies. Mm -hmm. Hey, call it a feature, call it a series. The man's going to be there. He's going to show up for you, dude. Yeah, yeah. And then I always enjoy
0: seeing Seth Rogen. I mean, I I think he's just a... a, He's decent. A gifted performer, um, even if, like, his character is... I, I don't know if... He's maybe the most fleshed out. It's it's very like typical Seth Brogan so far mm-hmm. in this story.
1: What do you feel about the series? We've seen this with House of Gucci. I'm pretty sure you know. I, I doubt he asked I, Tanya and the estate for permission there, but them not getting permission from Pam and Tammy, being figures that are alive, only because you're talking about a story in which a big thing that they're trying to get into is, are they even uh, supposed to be seeing something that's private? So in your opinion. Just the fact that the show is commenting on it, right? right? You should be able to make whatever you want. Right. Like legally, there is a law that allows you to be to be able to make a movie on any prolific person, no problem. But if the content, I guess, movie show that you're making specifically gets into that idea of like, man, are you violating their space? Is it not a little ironic? Yeah, it's definitely ironic. To, and it, it to the degree of not asking. It's definitely
0: ironic, and I think. Uh, an intelligent show would play into that aspect or at least kind of, like, Mm -hmm. acknowledge... Like, I think there's sometimes uh, shows or films that do a good job of indicting the audience, um, you know, which I don't know. We haven't seen the full season, so maybe that's where it ends up. I don't get the feeling that it will go there, at least in a satisfying way. Um, But, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, I think, part of what keeps me from feeling like this is a fully realized ver- retelling of this story is that, like, I-, I don't know if if it feels like it fully has a point as much as it just is mm-hmm. existing to recreate familiar people and places in a tantalizing, you know, sexual yeah. way.
1: But Overall, it's been okay. I think Hulu, in general, has a, a lot of good stuff that they have on the horizon. Yeah. We had kind of mentioned, but we're not going to get into the fact that through Disney+, Plus, and for many of that's bundled, they had their big reveal, I guess, this week. Is it really a reveal when it's the same reveal every single time?
0: <laughs> you know, yeah. it's
1: like the same character that appears, but I know the Boba Fett show has been uh, doing, I guess, numbers for them over there as well. So Disney, between Plus and the Hulu, have been doing, have been doing pretty decent, I would say.
0: Yeah, no, I mean they, they've got a whole bunch of uh, eyes, eyeballs on different platforms now, you know, um, mm-hmm. uh, and, and we have a few films from Sundance that we like that are going to show up on Hulu too. So uh, interesting stuff still coming from Disney, different mm-hmm. different avenues.
1: Uh, but in terms of the other shows, I don't know if you wanted to get into any specific service. We had some from HBO. We had some from Netflix. Let's, we even had some finales around on Showtime. Uh,
0: let's start out over with the less spoilery uh, one in Murderville, the new comedy show that popped up on Netflix uh, that I was kind of excited to see. It, it sound, it's an intriguing premise. Uh, basically, Will Arnett plays this detective uh, who, on every every Uh, episode of the show has a different murder to solve and he is joined by a guest star playing his co-detective only the guest star isn't given a script and kind of just has to improv along with the story so it's this sort of funny situational thing I think almost like you can say it's almost like mixed with an escape room element because the guest star then also has to come up with who the murderer is by the end of the episode so they're they're not just acting along comedically they're also trying to pick up clues and then solve it in the end so it's got this interesting mix of elements i think once you watch a few of them you kind of see the formula they're going for and you know there's episodes where they hit it better and episodes where they don't hit it as well it also really is reliant on how good the the guest star is and how uh, yeah. willing they are to play along or how overwhelmed they get in certain moments. You know, Ken Jeong uh, shows up in the last one and he's a guy who very easily breaks, which I, you know, might not be the best if you're watching for the improv, but is kind of funny just to watch for the situational humor of it. Oh, maybe you watch, maybe you watch for that as well. I like when people. Break. Exactly. That's, that's sometimes the funniest part of it. Like for me in Kumail's episode, the funniest parts are when they're breaking. Um, Yeah, I just I found it pretty delightful. Um, You know, I'm not sure it's fully honed in, but I feel like maybe with another season, they would even tighten it up more. Uh, But I enjoyed watching it. Uh, I enjoyed watching all six episodes. What'd you think? (laughs)
1: Uh, I thought it was pretty funny. One of my favorite episodes would be the one you were saving for me, which was the Marshawn Lynch episode. <clears throat> they need to have this detective bag of and a lot more things. Uh, I just I thought it worked really well in the sense that you are there also trying to get the clues. Right, right? it's almost like one of those mystery books where right at the end they kind of wrap up everything for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the end, letting you know what clues you might have missed, where were the red herrings right. as well that made you think that that was the person? Uh, and it's almost like a it's almost like an interactive board game streaming, but also as a show where you could just follow along if you wanted to. But I think it's really fun to play along with them. It's it's really cool to see uh, kind of like the, the storylines that they carry from episode to episode. Because while the cameo doesn't know what's going on, they're kind of like... There's a divorce plotline that's uh, been going on between two characters that work at the precinct. There's j- just like reoccurring jokes that, yeah. that will come back later. And I think it would be really interesting to see what they do with the season two as they're able to expand that lore as well. Exactly. And how people have to play within it, but it's a fun show to put on. The more
0: silliness they pack in to kind of keep the guest on their toes, I think the better the show is. Um, So again, I just think there's a lot of potential there, so I'd like to see them make some more of it. Uh, So yeah, I I think Murderville was pretty good. Uh, I do think we want to get into Yellowjackets and we want to get into Euphoria, but because those are a little bit spoilery, maybe we'll save them for the latter half of our episode. Uh, let's do a quick look at the new to see, talking about what is available what available now in theaters and on streaming, as well as what is coming soon. So take a look over at this sheet here. Let me scroll to the right place. Oh wait, I put up the rock, run document. I'm a little bit uh, jumbled right now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's go back to January 27th. That's where I was looking for. Uh, So this is back when Sundance was almost over. Uh, There we go. Uh, As Sundance was wrapping up, there was some interesting stuff hitting theaters, uh, but more interesting hitting HBO Max, the movie that we really enjoyed out of South by Southwest last year, The Fallout, starring Jenny Ortega and Maddie Ziegler finally available on HBO Max. Art, you haven't had a chance to catch up with this one uh, uh, or re-catch up with this one, I should say, have you?
1: Yeah, no, we were out, so this came out right in a jam-packed day for Sundance. But uh, I'm looking forward to catching this one again because it was one of our standouts coming out of South By. I thought Jenna since then has garnered herself up some pretty prolific roles and she still has some really good stuff that's going to come up. Some that are even going to premiere at this new South By Southwest in just a month or so. So uh, this is definitely a movie that with it being on streaming, I'm very curious to see how it will will build up um, because I feel like a lot of the stuff from South By... Uh, from this selection got picked up by streamers. I mean, a lot of the stuff from uh, a lot of the festivals we've been, have been getting picked up from streamers, uh, but seeing just how they play, like, would it do better if it actually had the theatrical or right. not? Um, yeah. It does but, feel uh, a little uh,
0: bit like uh like a drop in the bu- bucket uh, landing on HBO max. Maybe, yeah, they're not, a lot of these. maybe they're not promoting it enough either, but like, I thought this was a movie that did have the potential to resonate a little. And like, there's so many fans of, of Jenna that like it, there are those people out there who are, are carrying the torch for this movie, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I thought it was a pretty effective film. I'm, I'm a little surprised it's getting so little play. The way that it's been released.
1: Yeah. It's also in January. It's such a weird time to release it, Like regardless of yeah. where you're releasing it to, just as a January film at the end of January. I don't know. Like like <laughs> You're leading into what would be uh, Valentine's Day uh, in just a couple of weeks, so I don't see wh- yeah. what crowd it technically plays to, but I don't know. That's HBO.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: Max, sorry.
0: Yeah, Pink Sweets mentions that they didn't see a trailer or read the synopsis, so they were caught off guard and ended up loving it. Glad to hear that, because I think it's a really effective film. Yep. Uh, Also out on on January 7th was The Conductor in theaters, Mott means land on movie and soy Georgina on Netflix. Then on January 28th, we had the American thi- King in theaters, the Beatles get back rooftop concert. I think this might've just been a preview in IMAX, but it's coming out fully mm-hmm. this weekend. I actually got my, my tickets to see it Wednesday. I'm doing my, uh, Oh,
1: you got the ticket. Yeah. I'm, I'm
0: going to see the wow. concert going to do that IMAX experience I got to
1: take advantage just, of that A-list now that you got me on there. <laughs> bro, I told you, watch as many as you can. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then also Brighton Fourth
0: came out on January 28th. That was one that I caught at last year's Tribeca Film Festival. I thought it was pretty interesting. I think it's a Georgian film, uh, interesting character study on masculinity. Uh, Clean, another Tribeca movie, this one from Adrian Brody. You've heard it's pretty bad, but, <laughs> you know... Okay. Might be some people's cup of tea. Uh, Cyrano. The 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 ever-disappearing Cyrano. Is it actually in theaters? It got moved. Got moved
1: from nope, when I put this it got moved year? to the end of this month, yeah. So Shh. we won't be seeing this so until I want to say the 27th, 25th, but... Uh, Evil at the Door
0: hits digital and VOD. Feels Good Man hits movie. We really like that documentary. Very good. Uh, Futura <laughs> hits theaters, or at least some theaters. Uh, Home Team ended up on Netflix. I actually didn't mention Home Team, but I caught it and thought it was very okay. I mean, obviously, uh, the Happy Madison films are a little bit hit or miss in terms of their style of humor. They're very juvenile. They're very, uh, you know, grotesque in some ways. They're uh, very... uh, fart and vomit reliant, but they're kid. this one's a kids movie. This is like literally a PG kids movie, sports movie. Um, the most interesting thing about it, the reason that I was kind of curious about it, do you know what this
1: movie is about? No, I just know that it was on Netflix. That's all I know about this movie.
0: So this movie is about... And Kevin James. This movie is about NFL head coach Sean Payton, who was suspended for a year from the NFL <laughs> for running... A running a scandal where he would pay players extra to injure opposing players and then in his off time he coached his kids team and they're turning it that whole era of his life into this heartwarming kids movie and they just glance over that whole other aspect of it just that whole that that exists I think is so bizarre Sean Payton plays a janitor in movie that. They, they don't cover that in the movie they, they mention it it's, it's a quick like news highlight it's like oh he's been suspended for bounty gate and they never mention it again
1: it's like an OJ movie and they're like he took a really big ride in a bronco <laughs> yeah. and that's all that's mentioned about that moment in his life
0: OJ experienced a lot of legal troubles and then it's about <laughs> him coaching his son's team
1: <laughs> it's kind of moved to Miami thereafter. Yeah, it's kind of cute though. Okay, I feel so like if I was like a little I'd boy, I even realize it was a true it. story.
0: Yeah, I mean, based on a true story, I don't know how true any movie starring Kevin James really is, but reportedly like, reportedly, allegedly,
1: <laughs> this is why he didn't do Hotel Transformania. Okay, yeah, I, I, I'll put it on my radars if it pops up again on, on autoplay. I'll, I'll let it play. All right, cool. Uh,
0: getting back into the films that have hit theaters um, or streaming. There's In From the Cold on Netflix, as well as The Orbital Children, The Requin in theaters, VOD, and digital. Rifkin's Festival. It's the latest from Woody Allen. Do you, uh, you get catch the latest Woody Allen
1: movie? No, but now I know why Rifkin's Festival was a title that was on my radar.
0: There you go, yeah. Wow. Uh, they, we got a, we go. got a
1: couple emails asking if we want to screen I,
0: her. I have a little bit of morbid curiosity, but I, I did, not, did not send that email. want everybody to know that. Right. I did not send that email. <laughs> uh la solga Salva- salvation hits theaters as well as sundown the latest from Michel franco uh we were not big fans of his last one new order but i'm hearing this one is much better
1: i ain't hate new order yeah. i thought his perspective was dumb as can be exactly uh this looks like a good performance by Tim Roth, exactly. and we just came out of a great performance from him at uh, South by or Sundance. Yeah. So I'm very curious to
0: catch this. Netflix also released "The Woman in the House Across from the Street," across the street from the girl in the window.
1: Uh, a lot of people
0: did not realize this one was a satire.
1: I guess I. Don't know what anime K world they're living in, but this was very obviously a satire. The worst part in it is that it d- doesn't really make you laugh, nor does it make you think. Yeah. those are like the only two things a satire needs. Yeah,
0: exactly. Just because Th- that's it. Just because it's labeled as a satire <laughs> doesn't mean it's so effective easy. as a satire.
1: That's it. That's yeah. all you gotta do. I
0: think our friend Amanda um, the but Jedi. Okay. I don't think it's bad. I think our friend Amanda the Jedi put out a video on it recently. Actually,
1: she didn't like it, right? Yeah, I don't think she did. I don't think it's a terrible show. It just is not as effective as it thinks it is. I don't know. Do you remember these? The super bad 40 year old version. <laughs> yeah. They didn't have. You know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah. Uh, uh, epic movie. I Know What You Did Last Shriek.
0: Superhero scream, movie.
1: Where they just combine everything date together. Movie, and you're like at the blockbuster yeah. and they got rid of the three day rental, so you got to get stuck. Yeah. With, that's what this is for Netflix. Oh,
0: okay. Cool. So.
1: <laughs> Comes back around. (laughs) Uh,
0: On January 31st, Black Medusa hit movie and Help hit Acorn TV. On February 1st, City of Vultures 2 hit VOD, Lockdown hit VOD, and Raising Dion, season two hit Netflix. Did you watch the first season of Raising Dion?
1: Dion? Yeah. Yeah, I saw the first one. It's got one of the funniest bits. Uh... I don't. I'm not in a rush to catch two, but bro, they put this boy on wires and Dion. You could see exactly where every single wire was hanging from him, and I'm like, y'all, screen this and then let it be put up on Netflix. It is one one of my favorite Netflix clips of all time. Uh, That's not, not where their happened, budget went. Did... No, that is not where their budget went. uh But it's a. It's supposed to be a cute little superhero kids. It's uh, more of a family thing where yeah. Dion doesn't realize what happened to his father. And uh, yeah, they, there's a whole backstory there that season two is supposed to flesh out on how they got these superpowers. So I might have to, you know, for the story. Wrap <laughs> yeah, it up, but
0: for the story. Uh, we'll,
1: hopefully they deliver another good shot. <laughs> February
0: 2nd, Pam and Tommy hit Hulu. We just talked about Pam and Tommy. Uh, but Polly's Styrene, I am a cliche, hit Hulu uh theaters and you caught that one back at south by southwest last year
1: yep really solid doc uh i w- definitely if this i don't know where this this feels like a movie selection that would be put on streaming uh, i think it's definitely worth the watches to see uh just like all the stuff that she did as an artist because if i'm not mistaken this was the one where the daughter was reflecting back on her mom yeah. but uh really good story let's jump to
0: february 4th where air doll hit theaters and vod that's the latest from uh Hirokazu Koreata, who did Shoplifters. I'm a little surprised more people haven't been talking wow. about this one.
1: Uh, but maybe there's a
0: reason I mean, for that. i never
1: seen Shoplifters. All of his previous, all of his follow up films have kind of just been left in the dust.
0: Yeah. Uh, Alone with You hit theaters. Jackass 4 hit theaters. We talked about that. Last Survivors, theaters and VOD. Lingui, The Sacred Bonds hits theaters. This one's got some pretty good reviews, so I'm kind of curious about it. Uh, Moonfall. Yeah, this one played at Chicago. Yeah. Uh, Moonfall, which we talked about, also in theaters. The Other Me, theaters and digital with Jim Sturgis. Then Sweet Magnolia Season 2 is on Netflix. And lastly, The Worst Person in the World, finally, finally in theaters on the coasts in New York and L.A. Eventually, maybe in a theater near you, even though it's one one of the best movies of last year. It's only out now Mm -hmm. in February.
1: I hope we uh, talk about it tomorrow morning.
0: Yeah, I do, too. As we rightfully should. I do, too. Uh, Let's get into a couple more. The Conductor hit VOD on February 7th and on February 8th. uh, Bite Me, Exorcist Vengeance, The Fabulous Filipino Brothers, A Grand Romantic Gesture, and The Rising Tiger. Yeah, the only one I saw here was The Fabulous Filipino Brothers. That one was fun.
1: Yeah, that one played out. It was a pretty cute little story with the whole family. Yeah. Oh, gets so that's together. actually they were really excited for the theatrical one, and uh, they had a they had a flip digital VOD. They did not complain. They just they embraced it. So yeah,
0: so shout out to them. Yeah, that one's out tomorrow. If anybody's curious about that, uh, on in available on Thursday, all the moons is on Shudder. But then, really interestingly, Kimmy, the latest from Steven Soderbergh, goes straight to HBO Max. This is a second time riff on. Alexa and smart devices and stuff like that, starring Zoe Kravitz, I'm kind of really excited mm-hmm. about Kimmy.
1: Same. I just popped up in my screeners app, so that's one of the ones that I wanted to get into. Ooh, Steven hey. Soderbergh seems to have just, yeah, It seems he seems to be really comfortable in that HBO Max bubble. I guess they he gets to be more creative, has to worry about less things if it's not going theatrical, and it's not like Steven... Can't make another magic mic or something else. Exactly. can easily play in theaters. But uh, I'm always excited to see the next Soderbergh project, and the trailer looked pretty solid. So, mm-hmm. looking forward to it.
0: All right, just a couple more here. If we go to February 11th, Black Light with Liam Neeson hits theaters. Catch the Fair One hits theaters. That was a movie that we caught at Tribeca last year and I think got some Gotham Awards love. Solid thriller from Mm -hmm. Joseph Latica. There's Cosmic Dawn hitting theaters in VOD. That one has Camille Rowan, Emmanuel Sheikri. Death on... MGMT. (laughs) Death on the Nile hits theaters this Friday in 70 millimeter in some places are you gonna you trying to see yes, that bad sir.
1: boy in 70 millimeter uh i don't know if there's a dolby 70 millimeter so i'm trying to catch in dolby before i catch in 70 millimeter yeah
0: yeah uh we also got Dollface season two hitting hulu it's a binge watch do you catch the first season of the cat Dennings show I did not. I think Caitlin caught it and thought it was okay. Uh, Fabian going to the dogs in theaters. Give her back. Or sorry, give or take in theaters. I want you back. It's Amazon Prime Video. We have a screener link sitting in our inboxes. We should probably get around to watching that one, huh?
1: Yeah, I was about to catch that one. Uh, they just had another one that just came out, Book of Love with Sam Claflin, where he mm. wrote a book. Bestseller in Mexico doesn't realize that it's because the person who adapted it or who translated it made a completely different... Uh, translation and that's what made it so popular so you do have a couple of uh, good cute little Amazon Prime movies and they even have one coming out right now so Book of Love came out last week this week it's the um, Joey King I think is in a movie for Amazon Prime as well you may be mentioning it in a little bit but Hmm. then I want you back as well so there you go they've They've got the rom-coms down. I really
0: like the cast in "I Want You Back": Charlie Day, Jenny Slate, Gina Rodriguez, Dylan Galula, Manny Jacinto. Uh, comes from Jason Orley, who did "Big Time Adolescence." Interesting, interesting lineup there. There you go. Also, "Inventing Anna" from with Julia Garner is going to pop up on Netflix. I have a feeling that's going to be a Netflix hit. I'm not sure it's going to be good, but it's going to be. I feel like mm-hmm. it's going to be one of those things that goes semi-viral because it's on Netflix. Uh, Marry right. Me It's theaters. That one's with J-Lo and Owen Wilson. It's also going to be available on Peacock, isn't it?
1: Yeah, who would have thought? But same day-and-date release right there. They're going all out with having this on the platform. Then they're going to have the Super Bowl on the platform. And then they're going to have the premiere of Bel-Air. So. Yeah. A big push for Peacock this month.
0: There's also The Pact in theaters, Playground in theaters, Sumayon Virtual, Super Cool in theaters and VOD, A Week in Paradise in theaters and VOD, What About Love in theaters, and The Worst Person in the World Will Expand, as well as the documentary Worst of First, The True Story of Z100 New York on VOD. Which of these February 11th releases feels like the best Valentine's Day movie to take your loved one to? Which one are you and Alina going to go out to?
1: Death on the Nile, you got to go see the greatest detective <laughs> in the world. <laughs> 70 millimeter Dolby. Bring nice, enough champagne choice.
0: to fill the Nile.
1: I mean, to a degree. Look, if you're going to go into theaters, uh, probably Death on the Nile is the biggest release for that week. But if you can see Marry Me, it, like if you're going to watch that one, why would that not be in the comfort of your own home? Right? Yeah. Valentine's Day still pandemic. Like, catch that. Go on Prime. Yeah. I want you back. You got some really good double features you exactly, can watch at home. No exactly. need to leave the house.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Uh, and as you oh, mentioned. I'm the greatest
1: detective in the world, Zach, so death on the Nile.
0: <laughs> and as you mentioned, Bel-Air is coming out on February 13th, right after that Super mm-hmm. Bowl. It's sort of an interesting strategy because I, I think technically speaking, the Super Bowl is on cable. So they're expecting people to uh, turn off their cable and head over to Peacock or, or watch the Super Bowl through Peacock, I guess. But,
1: you know. I think that one.
0: I, it, it's also like kind of the strategy Netflix used for their Cloverfield release a few years ago because it's not like people were watching the Super Bowl on Netflix
1: Mm -hmm. well I'm expecting Kendrick Lamar to do that (laughs) to just perform and then just say the albums are right now go stream it that'd be fire. yeah we we will see uh, how
0: many surprise releases we get this Super Bowl Um, all right so before we wrap things up here wanted to talk about a couple of shows that are on our mind stuff that is uh either wrapped up or almost all the way wrapped up so in our topic of the week let's divide it up between yellow jackets and euphoria uh you want to start it out with yellow jackets since we you got to wrap that one up finally
1: Yeah, no, this was uh, probably the biggest thing that I've been watching on Showtime. It is worth going into that crappy app, just being able to, you know, manage it for five minutes to be able to click the newest episode of Yellow Jackets, because they actually have some good content over there. Yellow Jackets is the story of a soccer team. I'm forgetting what specific town they are from. Somewhere in New Jersey. As they're flying over, somewhere, yeah, over there on that coast, and they get stuck, if you don't know. Uh, There's a lot of mountains in that area, and as they're flying over to their championship game, they all get stranded in the middle of nowhere interesting thing about the show is you kind of have this lost thing going on between flashbacks and present day in where you're actually following all of the girls who survived maybe supposedly grown up trying to live their lives while someone is after them fascinating fascinating show and a finale that just leaves you with more damn questions uh so it definitely has me peaked as a lost fan Uh, for me it's uh, hitting every note that it needs to from that aspect you have a cast that is fantastic but also characters that you're intrigued by you have characters that can make a mistake and you're still kind of like curious to see what they're going to do the next time around characters who are complete psychopaths but at the same time you know that they may be the only person who can help out one of the other characters you do enjoy Um, I I think it's a fantastic show that's shot beautifully the score is fantastic and I'm Hoping that they're able to carry this as long as they need it to. I don't want it to overstay its welcome because a lot of these shows tend to do that and they have to drag out lore, but it definitely seems like they have a tight knit couple of seasons uh, set that when you rewatch, probably after three, we're going to know what all of the symbols are right. that were left behind. When you rewatch a scene and you realize, oh, actually, it may have been somebody else behind a certain mask. Um, but season one, I think, is a uh, perfect example of what Showtime has to offer. They just need to be able to reach out to people better because this is a show that actually had people talking mm-hmm. while it was streaming the same time that Dexter was coming back, and no one talked about Dexter mm-hmm. no they, and people were talking about Yellow jackets. I don't even know if they were seeing Yellow Jackets on showtime but people were watching the show It was a <laughs> pretty was
0: organic hit you know I, I don't feel like it had this crazy advertising push or anything or nope. and it doesn't certainly doesn't have the type of no. like movie stars or whatever that you would expect to. Uh, drive a, a huge word-of-mouth hit like this, but it's just a pretty cool show that that is delivering on a lot of levels. I think it's got this very cool thriller aspect, the survival aspect to it of, you know, these girls trying to pull themselves together after a plane crash, but then also it keeps hinting at these more uh, more fantastical elements or sci-fi elements, and I, it, like Lost, I think it's very smartly slow playing any sort of mystical Happenings uh, w- yeah. on the show. You buy into that? I mean, you know, th- that's the thing. Is I think if it was if it dove too deeply into it too quickly, I might not buy it. You know, there's some moments that happen where I'm a little bit like, "All right, what's happening here? Uh, this this is a little silly." But like, I I kind of like the mystery of it, and I think as long as they kind of dole it out sparingly and don't overindulge it. I'm going to play along with it because it it's intriguing enough. You know, I don't, I don't want okay. this to be set on some alternate were in some alternate world, but if there's just a little bit of surrealism in there, I, I can dig it and I can uh, roll with it. I like you. I'm just hoping they, they keep this pretty tight and keep, fig- you know, have, have a lot of this figured out um, because I, Mm-hmm. You know, the, they don't want to run into the lost problem of dragging it out and then working too hard, try and like thro- uh, put all the loose ends together in satisfying ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, I hope TV writers have all learned since then. So I'm assuming they have some pretty cool plans in store for the rest. They keep talking about all their plans for season two. So I don't know. I'm really, I've been really enjoying the ride. I don't necessarily think like it's... Um, you know, edge of your seat thriller, but it's really enjoyable kind of pulpy and, and the performances are very good. So I'm, I'm with it still. I, I, I definitely, I really want to know
1: what's happening next. Same. It has my recommendation for the weekly watch binge. So put it on your radar. Cause I think it's worth catching up on. Yeah. Uh,
0: Zach Artuso in the comments saying, "I need more '90s actors in the next season." That's that's smart. Mm-hmm. I feel like you know, along with all the '90s needle drops, which some of my favorites in the show. Like, I think that's part of why I love it so much. Is it's all the songs that I I never really owned, but I memorized from listening to the radio. Um mm-hmm. So yeah, um, and Ricky saying "Yellow Jackets" wasn't pushed enough. I could see that. Like it it is it is kind of holding its hand. I think a lot of people were expecting, you know, some big kind of revelations in, in those final episodes that were maybe a little bloodier. And, uh, Mm -hmm. there was a sort of, there was a big thing that happened in that final episode in terms of, uh, the dynamic between the girls, but it was a little more interpersonal than violent, you know? Yeah. Um, so I'm really excited for more yellow jackets. I know you are too. Uh, but what we're definitely more excited for is more Euphoria because it is now five episodes into its second season. Do you know how many episodes this uh, season is, is going to be?
1: I'm hoping they keep it to the same 10. I think last season's was 10, if not 8. So uh, I guess they're both 8 then?
0: I think they're both 8, yeah. Uh, which okay. mean, means we're, we're running out of room, we're running out of real estate to hang out with... Uh,
1: Rue and Jules and everyone over at yeah. the Euphoria High School. Uh so this time around for season two I personally think that they've doubled down on all the euphorisms I think that's how a lot of people have been phrasing it it's technically on a whole other level I love the way that they've been filming it literally putting it on film a lot of the techniques that they've used and I will give it the credit that I think emotionally it has charged up its characters to have some of like just literally tipping point moments just uh, where where they're mere seconds of breaking down if not breaking somebody else down breaking somebody's Mm -hmm. face uh, beating it to a pulp but i don't think it's as smartly written as the first season is and i think that's where the biggest downfall for uh season two is i felt that season one ha- did a really good job of putting you at the headspace of all of these different uh characters who were residing in the school who all came from different backgrounds i never made it seem like uh oh no you this, this is taking too much of a detour that this is a whole other story uh it was able to blend it all well together with the way that the episodes were structured of it being the you know intro flashback what they're going through in the present how that bleeds into the present day for everybody there at the school uh there's a lot of big swings i'm not necessarily going to say that they are misses because when you're dealing with a tv show you could just answer or flesh something else out a little bit more in a, in a future episode yeah but they're, they're very loaded every episode has been uh pretty big Every single time an episode ends, someone swears a character has died and it trends for a little bit. And then we come in the next season and everything's okay, I guess, if not worse. Well, sometimes you come back and you're like, actually, it would have been better if that character died. (laughs) So for that, I will say that uh, this season has has been as effective as the first season in getting people's attention, if not more. Mm -hmm. I feel people discuss these episodes on a regular basis as soon as they finish and throughout the week. It has completely entered... Uh, our meme culture our yeah. social media culture reaction culture um, and I would say performance wise uh, if season one was able to garner not just nominations but wins for a small portion of the cast I can see season two doing that uh, for more of the of the cast that they have actually going out of the mm-hmm. way To uh, have not just bigger episodes, but bigger storylines. I think what they've done with Casey this season is pretty much make her the one that a lot of people have been rooting for. Especially with the most recent episode with the whole breakdown that happened. Uh, I think you're showing a show where you can get rid of some of the characters. And I want to say get rid of some of the characters. But you can put some characters on pause and still be able to carry a storyline because you've built up uh, a pretty fleshed out world.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I think... I know you hate it, though. (laughs) Yeah, I'm clearly the biggest euphoria hater. I think it's interesting talking about how um, Season 2, in some ways, feels like it's doing some things more and better and maybe some things lesser. I think one thing that maybe has made Season 2 suffer is what was really fun and kind of intoxicating about that first season of Euphoria is diving into these different characters' lives and you get these really extended flashbacks and uh, very kind of like writerly introductions to all the different characters with that Rue voiceover. You know, we had that one this year uh, looking back at Fesco's life and I, I, th- I don't think it's a surprise that that's an episode that a lot of people really resonated with. Um, so when Euphoria doesn't do stuff like that, it kind of ends up being like a mishmash of following the different characters around in a way that maybe makes some of the episodes feel a little bit less focused. I thought uh, this week's episode, episode five, did not have that problem. It felt extremely focused. And it's one of the reasons why it is maybe the standout episode of this season. Like it's an episode with a clear purpose and a clear narrative drive. And it's not one that is really like a bottle episode, it very smartly is able to weave in some of its other characters and some of its other storylines without being overbearing, but it, it kind of keeps the focus on Rue. And I thought very interestingly put her issues in contrast with everybody else's on the show and, and shows how they're, they're kind of not the same things. Um, this, this was a really, really excellent episode this week. And I thought that, you know, uh, it's, it's definitely a clear case for Zendaya as just one of the absolute most magnetic stars working in film or television. She's so watchable and believable and uh, charismatic, but also vulnerable. It's also a showcase of some what works in Sam Levinson's writing. Like, I think he does some of these dramatic confrontations uh, really well. I think sometimes when... He he allows the scene to sit in a place for a little bit longer than you expect. He he's able to dive into his characters in a way that's really surprising. Like, I think um, the the very slow beginning to this week's episode, the the casual reveals of new characters who are around, it, is done very expertly, and then it ends up being maybe sloppier in other moments. But um, I thought this this week's episode was like far and away the best of the season so far. Um, are you concerned? So uh, Ricky mentions that it just got renewed for a third season and it's kind of d- drudged up a bit of a discussion about like, how long can we watch Rue go through these issues? Uh, do you have any concerns about the longevity of a show like Euphoria?
1: I don't think the show should last more than five seasons, and I don't think the character of Rue can last more than three.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The way that they are writing her, there's just no way. Anything past three is just not believable. If it is it hasn't already tipped that point, um, I think the shorter that it is, the better that the sh- that the show will have longevity in terms of how it's looked back upon. But it should definitely not. It, this should not overstay its welcome. I mean, it's already a season that doesn't go past ten, so. Uh yeah, I don't I don't think it should go past five for sure. Yeah.
0: Um, I I feel like they're hopefully they can be smart enough to write the characters in a way that extends their stories believably. But uh, the way that they're writing Rue's self destructive nature, there definitely feels like there has to be a limit to it. Like I, um, we we talked about this a similar issue in the context of BoJack, and that like how how deep of a rock bottom can you hit before you just don't have any more rock bottoms to hit and the show loses dramatic interest. And I think Bojack uh, handled that situation in a very interesting way. Uh, I don't know if Euphoria is the type of show that can be that introspective, but Sam Levinson Mm -hmm. has surprised me, so maybe he has another uh, trick up his sleeve in terms of where uh, Euphoria is headed. it It feels like in order to do the type of show that they're trying to do, there's a limit to how... Um, how much they can put Rue through. Um, and, and this was a this was a tough week for you, girl. Um, but I thought it was really, really effective.
1: Yeah, same. Uh,
0: some, differ- some disagreements in the uh, comments over how effective the season is. Do you think the show is doing an adequate job for all of its characters? Because that's another thing that I felt so far in season two is the balance is not quite there the way that it was in season one.
1: Um, a little bit. I feel even when you have a character who you give a lot of attention to, like Fez, I felt we paid so much attention to Fez in the first episode, and now he's kind of been a side character. I feel, uh, Alexi Demi, her character, mm-hmm. uh, has not had a lot of attention on this season. Plus, a lot of her moments have... Same. Yeah, so... I mean, and that's only because we're, what, four or five in already? Mm-hmm. And I feel like we were really able to get a lot of other people's uh, stories by then. Even um, Jules, to a degree, obviously not too much because she has had enough. Yeah. But I feel like we haven't gone into her character a lot. I kind of feel like she just came back and we haven't, b- until this episode, I actually had a discussion about how the last season ended. So, uh, you yeah, know, I think it's pretty good. But it's also, again, dealing with the hype of what the first season had going with it and kind of setting its own model. And if it doesn't fit its own model, then uh, is that considered a negative uh, until you look back on it and see how it was able to build itself up. So,
0: yeah, I'm definitely curious to see what else we have uh, for the remainder of this season, because it's been quite enjoyable. Uh, but let's wrap things up here with some interview questions where we take questions from the intercuties. Uh, we're almost at the hour mark here. Uh, Hydrocats asked, what are y'all looking forward to in 2022? We talked about this a little bit (laughs) on our uh, best movies of 2021 video, if you wanted to hop to the end of that. But now that we're in 2022 and we have taken a look at the release calendar, I don't know. Is there anything looming that you're excited for? Something maybe on the South by Southwest lineup that you're excited for?
1: Uh, not necessarily on the lineup as much as it is just going back to more festivals. Yeah. I think just the idea of being able to do the traveling, being able to go to those different theaters, uh, that is something that I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward having just seen the Dolby movie, seeing a lot more in IMAX and being able to uh, have actual showings, selections. You know, In 2020, we, we had nothing. You'd be lucky if the theaters were even open. 2021 had a pretty decent uh, bounce back, and I'm hoping that with 2022, we have a lot more accessibility. You know, so if they're playing, uh, you know, Top Gun, all these bigger movies. You were just talking about Death on the Nile. You know, if you want to see it in seventy millimeter, I'm hoping that you have the ability to at least have the showing available, that uh, that screening selection. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to, to just going to the movies yeah. more. I guess I'm looking forward to the Batman. Obviously, mm-hmm. that's right around the horizon. If you wanted a a big one, but yeah, all exciting stuff.
0: Yeah, I mean definitely being at the movies more cuz I think both of us uh, were a little bit like slow to get back to movie theaters but now we're we're full in, we're doing it and uh, we also we had our Sundance experience which was great but also like you got this you got the stubs? Yeah, I got I got my uh, A list going so we're going to be in theaters a lot. Um You know, obviously Sundance, we didn't get the full theatrical experience, but it was still just so exciting to be doing the fest and be just binging movies. And I know, uh, we're excited to hopefully do that again. We're not going to travel to South by Southwest, but hopefully we'll be catching the South by Southwest movies. Um, I think we're going to hopefully try and do TIFF or something like that. And maybe, you know, we'll We'll see, it's going to be an exciting year. Um, but in terms of the movies, uh, I, I, you know, I'm excited for the return of Daniels. Speaking of South by Southwest, everything, everywhere, all at once, it's definitely high on my list. Um, excited for ret- the return of Scorsese because looks like Apple is just oh, yeah. throwing a ton of money at him and saying like, give us something, anything. So you know, Scorsese with like a with Tim Cook's checkbook sounds like a good plan. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of exciting stuff on the horizon. I'm sure we'll talk about all of it on the show. Uh, Devesh is asking if either of have us have catched Mothering Sunday um, and what movies have you seen recently that had a great first two thirds and completely lost it in the final third. Have you seen Mothering Sunday?
1: Uh, no, we actually had that playing over at the Chicago Fest, Chicago Fest, International Film Festival. I did not get to catch that link before it expired, but I know it comes out at the end of the month uh, here, if I'm not mistaken. I was going to try to catch that alongside um... Whatever came out, Cyrano I think comes out the same day that Mm -hmm. that gets its uh, release here. But uh, I I was intrigued for that one, so that one is on my watch list. In terms of the what movie has set you up for two thirds and then fumbled it Uh, out of the recent picks, I'm trying to think out of everything from Sundance because I figured of like there were a couple that kind of had us in the first half (laughs) and then kind of (sighs) disappointed us.
0: I don't know if I want to say like the final third is maybe a little bit too much, but you could say Zola a little bit here. The Zola ending fumbles it a little.
1: It, well, it's not that, that the third half fumbles. It's just that you it only got two ends. thirds. And you feel yeah. like you, you feel like you never got that third half, yeah. so that would be a good point to make. Yeah. Um, that's tough.
0: Yeah, I don't know if I can think of any other ones recently. Uh, I find...
1: I think Zola's a good pick.
0: Yeah. Um... You know, because I, I didn't love the last third of Speak No Evil, but I didn't think it fumbled it by any means. It just was not, I, I liked the first two-thirds more, you know? We'll, we'll think on that one. That's an interesting question. Uh, Pink Sweens mentioned that I uh, can't remember if either of us watch anime, but Demon Slayer is back and Attack on Titan is mm. ending. Are either of those shows on your radar? Because I'm not an anime person.
1: I'm not an anime person either, but, I mean, Demon Slayer and Attack on Titan, I feel, are, like, the biggest yeah. ones. Like, I feel like, like I've those heard are, of them. Those are the gateways. <laughs> yeah, those are the gateways that get people into them. Yeah. Uh,
0: finally, Devesh also asked us, final Oscar predictions or wild hopes? We'll dive a little bit f- deeper into this tomorrow morning before things really get started. Uh, but are there anything... You mentioned Worst Person in the World. Are there any other Oscar predictions that... You're at least keeping your fingers crossed for?
1: Compartment number six, I guess also an international. A twofer for Flea. A surprise pick for best picture that would be possibly an international. If not, I guess Flea being the doc. Mm -hmm. Uh, Marvel movies sweeping in all categories. I would like to see... Uh, the actress who did supporting in tragedy of macbeth Catherine supporting. Turner that would that would be yeah. incredible i would love soho to get a sound nomination i would love dune to sweep up the technical categories um, i'm trying to think in, especially in terms of the acting categories i do not want i don't know what i want for each of the four but i know i don't want them to screw up The actress category, just the lead actress category, do not mess that up. Please don't. There are so many ways to mess up that category. Do not mess up that category.
0: Yeah. uh, Please. There's a lot of really great actress performances out there, and I have a feeling some of my favorite ones are not going to be recognized. Like, I would be really happy if either Alana Haim or Renate Renive uh, from Worst Person in the World ends up in that final five for the actress nominees. Um, I'm also keeping my fingers crossed that Drive My Car picks up at least one nomination, but maybe more like, it'd be really exciting to see that wow. one.
1: No, it will. But like, what would be the other one? Second would be best picture. No,
0: I mean, yeah, it could get into best picture. It could maybe get a screenplay or there's some people even saying like director. I don't think that's really going to happen, but like, oh. director has nominated foreign, foreign directors quite a bit in the fa- past few years. Mm-hmm.
1: So no, no, yeah. Uh Yeah. Belfast hate. <laughs> uh, I want to see as little awards for Belfast yeah, as possible. No I acting don't, awards for look, Belfast. Look, Outrageous and no acting, and say that they can get one of the actings in supporting, but none in directing. None in directing, none in script, even though I feel it will get script, but I definitely don't want to see it in directing. Yeah. That is probably the one that'll piss me off the most. Um, I won't be
0: heartbroken if he's not in there, but I just kind of feel like there's probably going to be somebody nominated for Best Director who isn't as good at what they do as what Steven Spielberg is at what he does.
1: No, Steven's in. He's in. There's no way. Like, there's just no way.
0: Um, and then I'm, I'm keeping my fingers crossed that Mass and The Green Knight get at least one nomination I, I don't really feel like they will but like those are really wonderful movies that are getting overlooked this year
1: uh, are you worried that Come On Come On will have absolutely nothing?
0: I think I have kind of resigned myself to that fact yeah that's another one that I would I'd love to see get in there but for whatever reason it does not seem to have resonated with awards bodies
1: uh, do you have any worries in terms of something like the uh, animated category, the, I don't know, so- songs? For me, I'm not worried about tomorrow what will be nominated as much as I'm worried about what will get the win. Uh, but in terms of animation, I just don't want them to screw over Mitchells and the Machines. I, I feel it's dumb that I even have to bring that up. But please it happens. don't forget that that is a movie that should get no- It happens. Mm-hmm. That's the problem. Um, but yeah, no, overall, I'm excited to just see... Uh, how they how they announce? It's always fun. Yeah, it's always usually a fun. If we morning get any more goofy more dick
0: poop situations,
1: more surprises of uh, two leads being supporting actors, you never know. Yeah, uh,
0: lots of stuff to hopefully hopefully keep in mind. You know, we're gonna keep trying. Keep track of how many Oscars different movies get nominated for, and who are the snubs and who are the surprises, and you know it, it's it's a lot to keep track of all at once. And I feel like when you're doing it and doing a live stream at the same same time, your head swirls. But it's it's exciting, and like this is this is the morning that it all leads to. You know, we we argue we about have this a whole all pot year. Of in the morning. Yeah, uh, it's ready to go. It'll be fun. Hopefully, y'all wake up with us to talk about uh, which movies should have been. What nominated. time is it? It's going to be. Eastern. So 7.18 your time. And we're going to hopefully be... Yeah. We're hopefully going to be online by 8 a.m. Eastern. Uh, So we'll have a little bit of a window to talk about the movies that we expect to get nominated. uh, Talk about you know, what we're, we're hoping to see and yeah, talk, just talk more specifically about the Oscars since we didn't really get that deep into it on this live stream. Uh, But as I mentioned, you know, this is going to be our weekly, what we're watching and new to see and catching up with all the new releases. So if there's a movie you want us to talk about, uh, make sure to let us know here and let us know what you've been watching as well. It's going to be fun to do these live streams. I think we're aiming for, uh, like 3 p.m. Eastern To do this next week
1: Yeah, yeah something- I think that's usually the, the best time For the inner cuties When they're coming out of work Or school Or whatever it is yeah. Obviously time zones Jumble it all up But uh, aiming around that time Right after the week Box office numbers And everything is in Wrapping up on all the releases Of the week
0: Yeah uh, But I think that's about it For this week's stream You can catch more from me Zach Shevich By heading over to uh, Twitter Instagram Or Letterboxd At Z Shevich Art. Right, where can people Catch more from you
1: you can find me over at LME Explain on Twitter, tweeting about the moon and how it's falling along with the whole sky on Letterboxd, where uh, I don't know insert jackass joke there doing stunts (laughs) all over in the review section uh but every week here on the intercut podcast you can
0: listen to every episode of the intercut podcast on itunes soundcloud spotify or your favorite podcaster i like overcast and then make sure you're subscribed not just to the audio podcast but to the video feed as well on our youtube channel youtube.com slash intercut pod you watch our bright smiling faces as we break down the latest in entertainment find new episodes of intercut every monday and like, comment, subscribe. Consider heading over to iTunes to give us that much requested five star review. Shout out to our listeners in Pakistan for putting us on the TV and film podcast charts out there. Like our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages. Support our Patreon. All of them are at Intercut Pod to get updates throughout the week. Also, follow our Discord, which you can see in the links in the description. You'll get updates from me, from art, from all the guests that we feature here on Intercut. Thanks again for listening, and un- thanks again for tuning in. And until next time, do not attempt these stunts at home. Should have just said like, do not attempt to review these movies at home, or something? I gotta personalize it. You know, we're we're, we're, we're not stunt people.
1: We're 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 film people. I don't know. We're, we're film people.